whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you now are ashamed? The end of these things is death, but now that you have been free from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering, and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. 
Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sometimes, wouldn't you just like a story that ends with those words, and they all lived happily ever after? We like it when things work out, when the stories come to their natural conclusion, and we can just tie up all of the loose ends and walk away knowing that all is secure. And yet, I think we all know just how rare that is, both in our own lives and other places too. Life is seldom neat. It's often messy. And sometimes, in spite of our best efforts, it doesn't resolve as neatly as we would like it to. Happily, ever, happily ever after, is a mirage upon the horizon which we never quite obtain. We would like the story of Abraham to be one of those happily ever after stories, wouldn't we? If we read through the book of Genesis, we follow along with Abraham and Sarah as they seek to live according to the covenant of God. We experience all of their joys and all of their frustration, their fears and their pain. And yet, it isn't easy to trust in the promise of God. We know that. The story of Abraham exemplifies that for us. Abraham and the story of Abraham and Sarah ebbs and flows like the tide upon the seashore. At moments, the promise of God seems so close to them. And then, before you know it, the tide has changed and it seems to be moving away. The story begins, hopefully. As Abraham and Sarah receive the promise of God that this aging and barren couple will set off into the future and into into a promise. And yet the promise of a land and an heir seems to take so long. They wander through many lands, but never seem to settle. Year after year passes, they continue to grow older and older, and yet the longed-for child never appears. 
Abraham and Sarah, in desperation, seek to hasten things along as Abraham fathers a child with Hagar. Perhaps half an heir is better than no heir at all. But that doesn't bring happiness either. Finally, Isaac is born. God has been faithful to the covenant promise. An heir has been given and the promise of a great nation is now at least imaginable. God does provide. And they all lived happily ever after. Not so fast. As we know all too well from last week's reading and from the story that we just heard this morning, despite this monumentous creation overturning birth of Isaac to a father who is old and a mother who is well beyond childbearing years, nothing is easy. Nothing is ever happily ever after. Our reading from Genesis this morning has an appearance of God to Abraham, in a dream perhaps. And God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. And then the episode unfolds. Abraham, Genesis tells us, gets up early. He makes his preparations and sets off with Isaac and his two servants toward the mountain that God has chosen. It is a story that is stark and sparse in its details. So much of it is unknown. Did Abraham arise early and set off so that he would not have to face Sarah with that horrific prospect of the sacrifice of their son? The author doesn't tell us. Was Abraham obedient and resigned to his command from God or was he troubled and sickened by the prospect? We do not know. I think for many of us, however, we read these things into this story Surely Abraham must have been shaken with emotion with each step of the journey, knowing that his future and his hope was soon to disappear. Surely he must have been. But the story does not tell us that. Was Abraham forced to choke back a tear as Isaac asks his innocent question, Father, The firewood is here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? We do not know. Was Abraham aware of the irony in his answer? God will provide. Indeed, God had provided the sacrifice. God had given Isaac. And now God was about to take him away. Or were these merely... Simple words meant to avoid the truth of the moment. Isaac was the lamb. We do not know. In Judaism, this episode from the story of the patriarchs is known as the binding. Abraham arrives at the mountain. He prepares the altar and the wood which Isaac has carried And then scripture states that Abraham bound the boy and placed him on the altar. 
all is ready. Then, with knife drawn and arm upraised, Abraham is poised to complete the sacrifice when the angel of the Lord cries out his name, Abraham! Abraham! And the hand is stopped. Then Abraham sees the ram caught in the thicket, frees Isaac from the pyre and sacrifices the lamb in his place. God provides. In the background of this story, however, is the resolution of a larger narrative. More than just a story of the sacrifice or near sacrifice of Isaac, this story that we read this morning is about faithfulness to the covenant. Not just Abraham's faithfulness, but maybe God's faithfulness as well. Reading this episode, it is all too easy to miss one important word from the first verse. A word that guides perhaps our understanding of how to interpret the story. After these things, God tested Abraham. In the story of the covenant, God and Abraham have been journeying together. And yet each has had to call the other to account from time to time. Each has had to explore where the margins of the covenant relationship lie. Where is the boundary of God's, of, of Abraham's faith? And where is the limit of God's grace? Push and pull, disappointment and challenge. God and Abraham have learned what this covenant truly means as they have lived it together. And in this moment, God sought to see if if Abraham would trust in the Lord when everything was seemingly lost. What better way than to withdraw the blessing of the heir that would secure the promise? And with the provision of the lamb, God affirms to Abraham that he need not fear God's commands. That God would always have Abraham's life and Abraham's blessing in sight as God led him forward. The binding in this episode is Abraham and God being bound to one another through their covenant promise. In each of our lives, we know that hardship will come. Hardship and challenges that will shake us to the core and cause us to become blinded by fear and lose all hope. Many of us already know all too well that indeed life is like the seashore where the blessings of God seem to ebb and flow coming closer to us at some point and then looking further away at the other. And always, Always in those times of uncertainty and challenge, there is that great temptation to act out of our fear rather than our trust. To to act in ways that cause us to ask, where is God when calamity happens? Or as the rabbi Harold Kushner entitled his famous book, why do good things happen, or why do bad things, pardon me, happen to good people. We like to think 
that our relationship God of, with God means we will never, ever suffer. And yet that's not what the promise is. The promise of the covenant is that God will be faithful to us as we are faithful to him. That God will be present in our lives, sustaining us through all of the challenges of this life, assuring us that we do not walk this walk in this life alone, that we are not left to face the burdens of this life unaccompanied, but that we can walk unafraid, trusting that God will provide. Wherever you may be, whatever the the things that trouble you most this day may be, this one thing is true. We are bound to the promise of God. And God will provide for us in our deepest need. And therefore we need not fear, but we can have hope in the future. Thanks be to God. Amen.